My impression was that she was a little sour and self-absorbed, and for a guy with so much going for him, I just thought that maybe. I, I don't. I don't know what you think I have going for me, but. You see, there not... you go again, just cutting yourself down. You act like this girl was performing some kind of a charitable act by dating you, Albert. You're a catch. You're sweet. You're funny. You're smart. You've made something of yourself out here. You know, a lot of people can't say that. You're a good sheep farmer. Oh my God! Please, I suck at sheep. Louise was right. I can't keep track of them. There was a sheep in the whorehouse last week. Really? Yeah. Wandered in there, and then when I went to pick it up, somehow it had made twenty dollars. <laughs> Hey, what's happening? <laughs> Any of you still listening, welcome back. And my apologies for taking this amount of time off without any explanation. I had to get serious about work. I had some personal things going on. And I just didn't have the energy. So I had a great show planned for you guys. But it's so old now. And uh, I scratched it, so... So I could do this. And trust me, this show was a doozy. You really missed out. <laughs> so my longtime friend, excuse me, to use her words, vintage friend, Sue, came to visit me last week. And we shared perhaps the best weekend that I can remember having. Tons of food, wine shopping, cooking, planning, drinking, laughing, sharing, looking at art. God, we watched so much. We we stared at so much stuff. All the stuff that I love to do. And then we topped it off by watching the Super Bowl together and then making this massive Spanish tapas meal. More on that in a moment. I need to hit on something that came up in one of our conversations and it sets the tone for today's show. I got an alert, or actually an email from Spotify few weeks ago that there was an indecency complaint against my show shocker early on I guess it was in the teens or early 20s episode 21 or 19 I don't know it's back in 2021 I had the option to argue my case or comply to have the episode taken down I didn't want to go back listen to the show for 30 minutes it was so old try to figure out what it was that burnt their asses so bad. I don't have time for that stuff. So I said, okay, yeah, go ahead, take it down. And of course, I'm thinking to myself, well, it happened on Spotify. Is it going to happen on Apple or Google or TuneIn or Amazon or Audible? I'm, I'm, I'm across the board here. But it made me feel good <laughs> that I got under the skin of some sensitive snowflake, right? But it's bigger than that, all right? Sue is not afraid to call me out on my BS. And that's one of the things that I love about her friendship. She doesn't mince words. She doesn't have time for that. But one of the things she told me is that she'd like to hear me do one episode. She's challenging me. Do an episode where I don't use profanity. I know I curse too much. I, I've said this before. I try to use it as an amplifier most of the time. Like I'm here to be entertaining, right? I'm not, I don't want to be boring. So if I have something to say that I think is moderately funny, my immediate thought 
and I know it's a crutch, is to accent it with a filthy word. Now, does it make it funnier? Well, sometimes. But after 15 uses of the F word in a 30-minute show, it does kind of take some flair off the table. She said, you're an intelligent man. You can do better. So I said, look, you got to know, when I speak, I'm speaking stream of consciousness. And wait a minute. (laughs) Did you just call me an intelligent man? (laughs) Well, that's the first. You know, she's smart. You know, every day she sends me her Wordle results and constantly kicks my ass, which is impressive. Actually, it's not impressive. She's kicking my ass. (laughs) So anyway, get ready. I'm about to attempt to do this show without swearing once. Now, there are some words I'm going to use, but not vulgar words. And if I do use those, I'm going to take a pause, rephrase what I said, And then I'll cut it out and post if that happens. But I'm going to do my best to not do that. This will officially be the first PG-rated episode of Inane. And we'll see how it goes. And of course, my immediate thought was to list all of the words that I would not be using on the show so I could at least get them out of the way and say them once. Kind of be cheeky about it. But that is low-hanging fruit And I'm not going to pick it. But for the record, no F word, no MF word, no CS word. God, that's my favorite. And I'm not going to say, damn it, slipped up already. (laughs) She also told me that there have been some times when she would stare at her phone or her iPod in disbelief of what I had just said. You got to remember Sue is always the first person to give me feedback on the show. She listens the day it's released. And then she'll give me a review, which I really appreciate. She said I could be incredibly judgmental on the show. And she's right. I've owned up to that. I don't like when I do it. But as I said, you know, I just talk. This is a show. It's a vehicle for my thoughts. And I shouldn't be that way. Because I know it hurts people. And I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm trying to be entertaining and provide a diversion from the craziness of this mess of a world that we live in. I'm thinking, you know, here I am trying to massage your shoulders. Instead, I end up kicking you in the nuts instead. And she was especially worried that my show would get canceled because I used the R word when I told a story once. Now, I'm not afraid to get canceled. But I am afraid to hurt people's feelings. I mean, I'm going to get a little too sensitive. I had no idea, right? That word was unacceptable in society. Literally, it fell on me, came as a shock. I didn't know. So I told the story. But that's me being, you know, I sound like a, an old man, you kids get off my lawn kind of guy. And I don't want to be perceived to be that way. Even if it's true. But you know me, I had to turn this thing into a joke. I was gassing up my car. We were taking off up to LA and I'm at the pump. And of course it's not working properly. Me and gas pumps have a toxic relationship. You've heard me go on and on about this before. I'm there, all right? I enter my, my Amex. It asks me for my billing zip code. 
which is normal. I enter it. The machine makes no noise. There's nothing on the display. And I'm staring at this thing. 10 seconds go by. It says transaction canceled. So I try it again. I'm staring at it, waiting for approval. Transaction canceled. So I get back in the car. I'm ups- I'm pissed off. I move up to the next pump. Immediately, I think of a funny joke. She says, what happened? I told her, and I said, here I am. I'm staring at this blank screen for like 10 seconds, like a re, like an idiot. <laughs> that is how you edit your speech in real time. And apparently, you can't use the word gypsy anymore. And in the upper Yukon, Northwest Territories or Alaska, you don't say Eskimo. You say indigenous people. Now, I stopped calling Native Americans Indians a long time ago. Indians come from India. Now, is this a kinder, gentler, Phil? Hell no. It's just a more of an aware one. In fact, if I can be honest, I'm feeling anything but kind and gentle right now. I feel like there's a, an entire beehive stashed in my underpants, and there's a bunch of bees waiting to steam me in my balls any second. I can still see balls, right? Anyway, all right, let's get into it. So this guy is in a grocery store, gets up to the checker, lays down a, a frozen pizza, a can of soda, and a Snickers bar. Cashier looks at him and she says, let me guess, you're single. He says, that's right. How did you know? She says, because you're ugly. <laughs> Woo, new and improved Phil, everybody. Okay, seriously though, wild card weekend, right? I'm watching the, the games and Sue was watching the game. So we're texting while it's happening. And listen, I've talked this girl up on the show before. All right. There isn't one thing that I like about her. There's a ton of things. She's just, just a great person to be around. It turns out as an added bonus, she knows football. She knows the players. She knows strategy. She knows some of the plays. I have only one other female friend who I can talk football with. And I don't mean to call both of these women out for being women, but women generally aren't this interested or learned about football. It's not usually their thing. Although I'm seeing more and more of it now, and trust me, I'm here for it. Hell, my mother would watch football with us, but she was upfront about it. She liked their little asses. That's what she would say. God bless Lycra. My mom treated watching football like it was a G-rated version of Chippendales. And I gotta be honest, when she said stuff like this, it th- I threw up my mouth a little bit. So during one of the games, Sue asked me uh, what I usually do for the Super Bowl. And I told her I stay home and I watch it by myself. I prefer that. I can't stand Super Bowl parties. Everyone's talking, trying to sound like a genius, calling the next play. Too much getting up to get food, laughing at commercials so loud you can't hear what they're saying. It's chaos, and I'm over it. I'd rather spend three hours with my feet in a bucket of broken glass than go to another Super Bowl party. So she says, I got an idea. Let me throw this out there. What if I flew out there that weekend and we watch it together? I've got air miles. We can cook, drink some wine, hang out. It's been 11 years 
since we've seen each other, but we talk all the time. Well, Sue was one of the first people to listen to this podcast, right? Huge supporter of My Life as a Foodie, and that was nominated for a Taste Award for Dude Food. Big fan, although I didn't think it was a show any woman would like, but she knew who I was and she liked it. So I'm like, hell yeah, come on down. That'd be fun. So she comes down, arrives on Thursday, late into LAX. And of course, traffic into LA anytime before 8 p.m. is like a, it's a giant pain in the ass. But I left two hours before her flight was scheduled to land, so I knew it was no big deal. And I'm used to the traffic. I pick her up. We hit a late night ramen spot. Drive home. Friday morning, bundle of energy. What are our plans, right? I'm like, okay, we're going to do some menu planning. And then we take you to a bunch of my markets. And she wanted to try in and out So we were going to do that. So I took her to all my favorite stores that I like to shop at. And we're picking up certain ingredients, except for the stuff we needed to get the day before because we wanted to be fresh. And we're cutting up every 10 minutes. I would say something, she would laugh. She would say something, I would laugh. We even got into laughing fits over the other person laughing. And what Sue does that I think find it hilarious, I'll say something innocuous, nothing. I just, in a normal conversation, I'll just mention something. She'll store it in her brain. Even the next day, she'll have it. And I'll say something and she'll use that thing to make a joke. That's funny. We were in Total Wine, which is a massive wine and beer store. She's trying to educate me on the regions in France and Italy. And you know me, I'm dumb as hell about this stuff. Thicker than two planks. I say something insipid. She starts laughing. Now, I don't think that what I said was funny. So now I realize she's laughing at me, which is even funnier, right? And we're both laughing so much and so loud that a salesperson shows up. He says, what the hell's going on over here? Which makes me laugh even more. I found a bottle of wine. There's a winery called ED. And I said, look, they name the winery after what it does to you. More laughing. So we spent the entire weekend cooking, drinking really good sparkling wine. And she picked out some amazing stuff. I told her what I was going to make. She found wines that would pair with it. And they paired with it perfectly. Saturday, we walked around Laguna, went to some small galleries, had some lunch. Generally just enjoyed the day at the beach. And this is the beauty for me to have a diversified selection of friends. Like I've got friends that I golf with that share family time with, and then friends that I ride bikes with, friends I go camping with, generally just hang out with. With her, it's like intellectual, fun, creative. And everyone should be so lucky to have diversity like that. Like I've said, you know, I've got enough actual friends to fill a bus. I just don't know if any of them could actually drive it. I've got a a group of friends where I'm the intellectual one. And let me tell you something. If I'm the smartest guy in the room... It's a problem. I have one friend who's constantly making fun of how dumb he is, even though he's not. That's just his shtick. So whenever I introduce him to someone new, I'll say, hey, this is my friend blank. I'm not outing my friends. Then I'll say, I'm really proud of him. He just finished his first book. And then they'll say, oh, how wonderful. And I'll say, yeah, next year he's going to read another one. So Sunday we're, we're cooking all morning. We FaceTime with my brother. We're going to have, you know, this giant Super Bowl party virtual. 
and we're doing tapas. Spanish chorizo, both sliced for charcuterie and then some grilled little sausages. Uh, garlic aioli, hamachi sashimi with seashell and Asian pear. We had Humboldt fog cheese and the worst baguette that either one of us has ever had in our lives. It was horrible. We had Spanish olives with pickled anchovies, uh, another olive dish with Spanish peppers. Can't remember what those were called. Blinis with some seaweed pearls and Susan's secret sauce. Oh, let me tell you about this. I didn't have creme fraiche. I usually like Amblini's creme fraiche or sour cream to put on top of the blinis. But all I had was plain Greek yogurt. So I asked her to come up with a sauce using the yogurt that we could put on the blinis and then top with the pearls. So she starts digging through my fridge for ingredients. And I, I guess I had a tube of anchovy paste that I used one time. And she says, hey, this, this expired in December. So I threw it out. Grab something else. If this expired in October, threw it out. I buy this stuff. I use it once. I toss it. And I never see it again. Now, that's the problem. Anyway, she grabs something else. This is also expired. So I made the joke. Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. You know, the Geico commercial. You've seen that one, right? This young couple buys a new home. Their aunts are constantly visiting them. We love our new home. There's so much space. We have a guest room now. But we have ants. Expired. 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 Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. So she says, hey, I don't want you getting sick. I knew she was doing it out of love. I just had to make the joke. I can't help myself. You know me. Anyway, she ends up making this killer sauce that would lift pretty much anything, especially a hamburger. It was smoky and kind of sweet. And I would never think to have paired it with the brininess of these pearls. Just an amazing palate. I was making vinaigrette. We've been given salad during the week. And she was my taste tester. She'd go, more acid, more salt, a little more olive oil. And by the time it was done, I couldn't believe how different it tasted. I could go on all day. I know, I'm waxing poetic here. Just fun as hell to cook with somebody who knows what they're doing. You know, she made a Brenoise of mini bell peppers that would definitely have passed on a Top Chef competition. I could go on. I think you get the point. I had a full-on cooking weekend with a good friend who I had no idea possessed the kind of talent who spoke my food language. The only other person I've ever been able to cook with in the kitchen like this was Don. Don and I, as a team, unbeatable. The Super Bowl was great, though. We made way more food than we needed. Right? I had leftovers in the fridge for days and ended up throwing a bunch of stuff out. On Monday, you know, she was leaving late out of LAX, so we went to LA early, had lunch at Cantor's Deli off of Fairfax just to piss our friend Bobby Bogner off. When I first met these guys in 2010, there was Bogner, Nathan Lyon, Mitch Durrett, Dave Lieberman, and then later we met uh, Zane Lamprey. We started to form this ragtag foodie rat pack which was just a lot of fun. So we had gone to sushi one night and they asked me, you know, what my favorite spot in Los Angeles was. And I mentioned Cantor's. Those assholes crucified me for that. How could you like that? It's second rate diner food. I'm like, hey, look, it's not a Michelin star restaurant, but sometimes ambiance counts for something. I mean, where I live, we have no Jewish delis here. This isn't New York City. I live in the suburbs. Korean barbecue and noodle joints, that's what I have. And I love that. But who can say no to a 
a fat Reuben on rye bread with some home pickles. You know what the thing is for me? When I eat there, I feel closer to my sister who lives in Queens and she gets all the good stuff. Anyway, we have a nice lunch there. Spend about two and a half hours at LACMA, which is our major art museum, LA County Museum of Art. And just when I thought all that I needed to know about Sue, she turns out that, that like me, she took some art history classes in college. But unlike me, she paid attention. She knew way more artists than I did. We entered a room full of Picasso's work. I had seen maybe three or four pieces of Picasso in the years of visiting LACMA. This was an entire room, including sculptures. Biggest collection I'd seen yet. Henri Matisse, who was one of Martha's favorite artists. Martha was my, my neighbor years ago. Became like a second mother to me. Very talented artist. Beloved in the art community in Fullerton. And was such an inspiration for me on so many levels. And when I say second mother, I truly mean that. I had a tendency to go off the rails sometimes. And she was not afraid to call me out on my BS and give me a proper scolding when I needed it. So it made me pretty emotional when I saw his work and his sculptures because it, it just reminded me of her. Degas was the other one that she was just a big fan of, but I didn't see any of his work there. But we would enter another room. Sue would look across the room and say, oh my God, that's so-and-so. I'd be like, what? Who? Now I think she's just trying to pull one over on me. So I'd walk up to the piece. Sure enough, it was so-and-so. And that tells you what you need to know about me in art history. She tells me his name. I read it on the card next to the piece. And still, I can't remember his name. So we're going to go with so-and-so for now. Dynamite trip to that museum. I was a member for years. I visited so many times. Never have I had that great an experience. Because we had fun. We were sitting down. This is late. We were trying to close the place. We're sitting down on a bench. She starts to tell me this hilarious story. And I knew what was coming. And I did my best to not start laughing. But I couldn't help myself. This museum's quiet, right? You don't talk in the museum. You don't talk loud. So people want to enjoy the art in peace. But we're here laughing our asses off. People are staring. That was the capper. Actually, <laughs> actually, the capper was a story about a crapper. <laughs> and that's an inside joke that only Sue is going to get. So yeah, you can text and make phone calls all you like, but it's not until you spend a few quality days with somebody do you realize just how compatible as friend you are with someone. You know, I've made a couple of instant friends in my writing group, and that happens because you're spending four to five hours on a long bike ride. You're taking lunch breaks. You know, so that's uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. So this woman goes to a pharmacy, gets up to the front. Pharmacist says, uh, how can I help you? She goes, yeah, I need you to get me some cyanide. He says, what? She says, yeah, cyanide. He goes, I, I can't give you cyanide. She goes, well, I need it. He goes, what do you need it for? She goes, I'm going to give it to my husband. He says, well, I'm not doing that. First of all, if you give your husband cyanide, you're going to go to prison for murder. I'm going to go to prison for accessory to murder because I don't care. I need it. He goes, well, I'm not giving it to you. What the hell did he do that was so bad that you would want to poison him with cyanide? 
So she reaches into her purse and pulls out a photograph of her husband having sex with another woman. Pharmacist sees it, realizes that the other woman is his wife, hands it back to her and says, well, you didn't tell me you had a prescription. See, this is what a friend and I are doing lately. We're telling clean jokes, but they're still adult jokes. Like the one about the guy who lived next to this lesbian couple. On his birthday, they, they gave him a nice Timex as a gift. And he said he thinks they misunderstood him when he told him that I want to watch. Or the sex ed teacher gets up in front of his class with a banana in one hand. He's got a condom in the other. He tells the students, today, I'm going to show you guys how to properly apply a condom. Students start giggling, you know. So he puts the condom down on his desk, starts peeling the banana, and then takes a bite out of it. One of the students says, hold on a second. I thought you were going to show us how to apply a condom. Teacher says, I am, but I can't get an erection unless I eat a banana. You see, that's dirty, but there's no profanity. You see how this works? This is inane after all, everybody, and no one puts baby in a corner. So much old news I wanted to talk about, but didn't. Like the trade for Brittany Griner. We get a basketball star back. They get a full-blown assassin. What a horrible trade that was. We needed Scott Boras negotiating that thing. I had a friend of mine joke that that was the most high-profile trade in the history of the WNBA. <laughs> and this, if you didn't notice, is episode 69. And I had a nice, filthy, oral sex joke lined up, but I'm not telling it. In fact, I didn't want to tell it anyway. Because it really does cross the line of good taste. And there's only so far that I feel like I want to push the needle here. So you can use your imagination. But you know what? I'm having fun with this. It's a good exercise. I'm actually enjoying it. I haven't slipped up once. I'm on my best behavior. I'll tell you something, though. Once I turn the mic off, whoo, boy. <laughs> I'll finish one of these episodes, man. Sometimes I'll play it back and I'll think, oh, my mother must be looking down on me with such disappointment. I can hear her voice. Is this how I raised you? No, Ma, but it's how I turned out. And this is the end product of keeping a kid in such a protected environment when he was growing up. I was raised like veal. Being told that when you, you grow up, you can't drink or fornicate or use the language of the devil. Ever since I turned 21, man, it's been a nonstop party of drinking, screwing, and cursing like a sailor. How do you like me now, Ma? I'll tell you, man, if hell is where the people like me go... I'm going to enjoy eternity, and I'll save all of you a VIP box seat when I get there. Trust me on that. Yes, guy's on the prep table waiting to get his colonoscopy. Doctor comes in. He says, you ready? Let's get this over with. Also, Steve, try not to get a boner during the procedure. The patient says, um, my name is Robert. Doctor says, I know. I'm Steve. <laughs> How old am I again? I would purposely say stupid crap to my mother and she would be trying to explain something to me. I'd just play in the stooge and she'd laugh and then she'd say, you're an idiot. And it wouldn't have, it would offend people usually. But when you're playing the part of an idiot, just because you want to hear your mother's laugh, it's exactly what you want to hear. And I miss her laugh so much, man. That's, that was awesome. Okay. I've got one more topic 
and then I'll let you get on to more important things like watching paint dry. TikTok. I want you to listen to this clip. This is from a 60 Minutes report from Neil deGrasse that my friend Yvonne sent me a couple months ago. You tell me if this sounds like some kind of a conspiracy to pollute the minds of Americans, especially our youth. Owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, and Harris says the version that's served to Chinese consumers, called Douyin, is very different from the one available in the West. In their version of TikTok, if you're under 14 years old, they show you science experiments you can do at home, museum exhibits, patriotism videos, and educational videos. And they also limit it to only 40 minutes per day. Now, they don't ship that version of TikTok to the rest of the world. So it's almost like they recognize that technology is influencing kids' development, and they make their domestic version a spinach version of TikTok, while they ship the opium version to the rest of the world. The version served to the West has kids hooked for hours at a time. The impact, Harris says, is predictable. There's a survey of preteens in the U.S. and China asking what is the most aspirational career that you want to have. And the U.S., the number one was influencer. Social media influencer. And in China, the number one was astronaut. Again, you allow those two societies to play out for a few generations, I can tell you what your world is going to look like. TikTok tells us it gives American users tools to limit screen time. But those tools are entirely voluntary. So, to recap, in China, they make sure it's kept purely intellectual. They want their youth to grow up being smart and responsible adults. Here, brain poison. Now, I'm not going to blame all of our kids' social issues purely on TikTok. That crap, it's been a long time coming. I've had teenagers in my house. Believe me, you let them, they'll spend most of their days watching Instagram videos, TikTok, stuff that's more inane than this show, YouTube videos, anything vapid and completely dry of anything intellectual. Like the guy said, and I've, I've already knew this, why do you think that most teenage girls in America, when asked what they want to be when they grow up, say social media influencer? We have a STEM program in this country, for Christ's sake. It's designed to get young women into tech and engineering. Social media influencer. They see how easy people like the Kardashians have made it look. Why go through the trouble of pounding the books, learning all that math, science, technology, when you can just set your phone up on a tripod, film yourself putting on makeup, then beg companies to pay you to promote it? Seems way more fun than trigonometry. Hell of a lot easier than passing the bar exam. And you gain the adoration of millions of followers who want to be just like you. That is until the bottom falls out. You end up working the makeup counter at Nordstrom. Or worse, dancing at a strip club. This falls squarely on parents' shoulders, by the way. It's the parents' responsibility to make sure their kids don't get caught up in this crap. And as for the Kardashians, Kim did pass the bar exam too. Follows the footsteps of her father. I didn't mean to call him out. But they set the bar when it came to making influencer an actual career path. Listen, when I was 9 or 10... I wanted to be either a professional basketball player or a baseball player when I grew up. It was fun to do, 
didn't feel like work, you make a lot of money, and you're famous. Then I realized I suck at baseball. I was better at basketball, could cross over, dribble behind my back, had a wicked perimeter shot, but I just wasn't fast enough, didn't have the hand-eye coordination that the other kids had. Then I wanted to become a paramedic until my uncle tells me that I've got to be good at science, learn some things about medicine, which scared me, took the wind out of my sails. I get in junior high school and I discover I've got an eye for photography and I could write really well, thanks to my brother. So I chased journalism as my career path through college. Makes me wonder what any of us who didn't grow up with social media would be thinking of doing for a living if we were at that age now. I mean, look what's going on in Afghanistan. The Taliban takes over. Now they've declared that no women in Afghanistan are allowed to attend a university. You've got a country full of women who want to actually do something with their lives, but the people now running the country are going to try to ensure that they'll amount to pretty much nothing more than a subservient housewife. You don't know how good you have it until you see opportunities taken away from other people. But look at what the Taliban did to that young Pakistani girl, Malala. She defied them. Went to school anyway. They end up shooting her in the face. What does she do? Dusts herself off, becomes an activist, wins the Nobel Peace Prize, moves to England, attends Oxford, graduates with honors. But yeah, you keep taking selfies, thinking you're going to become the next Kylie Jenner. I'll tell you what's more likely. You're going to become the next Tracy Lords. Ugh, now I'm done. You see, look, I get angry again. But I kept it clean. Oh my God, I can't wait to drop the F-bomb. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to me go on and on here. Thanks for hanging on, hanging in there, spending time with me. Last year on the podcast, sticking with me now, I've been far less prolific, definitely not as funny. But listen, paying the bills has to come first. I love you all. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane. Salute. Salute.